Chapter 25, July 1993, age 38. There was little relief from the unforgiving summer sun. Portable fans blew from two corners, supplementing the air conditioning straining to cool the third-story room at Jamaica Hospital. On the glossy, tiled floor of the long, sterile room, there were six columns of blue rubber mats five rows deep. Topping the mats were 30 women, their discomfort from lying on a hard surface somewhat relieved by the cushioning of multiple pillows. Their bellies were swollen from months of pregnancy. Behind each of the women were their coaches, propping them up. Some would blot their partner's brow with wet cloths while performing their duties of back supporter. Coaches, don't forget to help your partner with her breathing, the instructor said in a voice loud enough so that those at the other end of the room could hear her. Did you hear that? Lauren asked Robert as she held her bent legs at the back of her knees. What, can't you breathe without thinking about it? This isn't the time to be funny, she said in staccato syllables. Okay, okay, ease up. Don't tell me to ease up unless you're willing to carry this baby for the next two weeks. Now do the breathing technique. Robert mimicked her from behind, smirked, and then started in with a patented Lamaze breathing technique. Even though Robert was only three months into his six-month commitment with Daytop, the administrator agreed to release him so he could deal with the tragedy in his family. His brother-in-law, Polly, had died suddenly from a heart attack, and he left Daytop for a week to grieve with his family. After returning, he finished the program just in time to assist Lauren in the Lamaze class. How's it going here? The instructor came up from behind, her arms crossed over a clipboard she held to her chest. Outside of the fact that I got a monkey for a partner, just fine, Lauren spat out. Robert looked up at the instructor, shrugged his shoulders, and smiled. You may as well get used to the comments, the instructor said to Robert. You just need to understand that at this moment, Lauren is very uncomfortable. Well, I'd be too if I had to lay on my back with my legs up in the air, Robert said. Enough with the jokes, Robert, Lauren snapped. Robert shrunk back, his eyes widened. The instructor laughed. This is good practice for you. More than likely, she'll be calling you all sorts of names in the delivery room. But don't take offense. She won't mean them. You bet I will, Lauren said. Again, the instructor chuckled. It'll all be worth it after you see that brand new baby. You hear that, Lauren? It'll all be worth it. Lauren swore at him. On the way home, both Lauren and Robert were quiet as they listened to Whitney Houston belt out the remake of Dolly Parton's hit, I Will Always Love You. When the final chorus came, Robert joined in with Whitney to serenade Lauren. Lauren started smiling and then busted into a full-fledged laugh. Oh, please stop. You're going to make me go to the bathroom all over myself. Robert didn't stop. Instead, he sang with more intensity and animation, parting the air in front of him with his hand, lifting his head like a howling coyote. This only made Lauren laugh that much harder. As Whitney faded, Robert broke into a chorus of a Lauren song, a song he sang often to her. It wasn't long before her laughter turned into a single sentimental tear that formed a rivulet down her cheek. She grabbed his free hand and kissed him on the cheek, thankful for his ability to turn her misery into happiness. Hey, you're getting me all wet here, Robert said, wiping the tear and the kiss from his face. You look so much better, Lauren said. 
You remind me of the Robert I met three years ago. I think this rehab thing was exactly what you needed. Yeah, me too. I'm just glad I got to be a part of all this, he said, referring to the classes and the birth. You realize I'm about to be a daddy, Lauren nodded. That's crazy, Robert said, wiping his face as if awakened from a dream. Two weeks later, as the temperatures continued to rise in New York, Robert and Lauren were coming back home with Brianna, their new baby girl. After Robert parked the car in front of the house, he ran around to the passenger side and opened the door for Lauren. Well, that's a first, she said as she stepped out of the car, smiling as she shielded her eyes from the sun. Robert returned the smile as he opened the back door to get the baby. He hesitated as he studied the straps and buckles that held Brianna securely in place. Uh, how do you, uh, he said, motioning with his hands. You get the stuff out of the back. I'll get the baby, said Lauren. Sure. Robert went to the trunk and retrieved the baggage, plants and gifts, trying to handle it all at once. He dropped one of the plants, breaking the pot. Robert, just get one load and come back for the rest, Lauren said as she lifted the carrier out of the back seat. Okay, Robert said as he balanced the load he was carrying, kicking the plant and its broken pot to the curb. As they went inside, Lauren and the baby led the way to her mother's apartment on the second floor. Since Robert had shown progress toward overcoming his drug addiction, Barbara allowed him to return to the apartment. She even made her much larger bedroom available for the three of them. Surprise! Barbara, Linda, and a slew of other relatives attending the welcome home party jumped out from behind chairs and around corners, startling the baby. Oh, poor baby. Lauren set the carrier on a nearby table and removed Brianna, who was now wailing. Robert continued on to the bedroom while enduring a gauntlet of congratulations and backslaps. After dropping his load, he went back to the car to get the rest of Lauren's baggage and plants. Across the street, a neighbor pulled up in his truck, apparently getting home from work. He stared blankly at Robert and then looked at all the cars in front of Barbara's place as he walked up to his house, disappearing inside. The celebration outlasted the searing heat as the moon overtook a sleepy sun. While some of the women put away dishes and pans in the kitchen, and Lauren and the baby snuggled up on the couch among admirers, Robert, Linda, and several others went out into the street with fireworks left over from Independence Day. While explosive lights overtook the night sky, screams of delight shook the atmosphere and soon disturbed neighbors occupied the windows and doorways of their homes. As Robert was about to light another aerial shell, he saw the neighbor across the street, dressed only in a pair of shorts, slipping around his work truck and walking Robert's way. Robert looked both directions and saw several other neighbors headed his direction as well. He stood to his feet. What can I do you for? Robert asked as the man stopped in front of him, his hands on his hips. I'll tell you what you can do. You can quit shooting off those fireworks. That's what you can do. By then, the other neighbors had gathered behind the man, as had Linda and the others. Hey, man, I just brought my baby girl home from the hospital. We just want to celebrate a little. I don't care why you're celebrating, the neighbor said, pointing a finger in Robert's face. Either you shut it down, or I'll make you shut it down. Robert swore at him. Robert did not see the roundhouse punch that caught him in the left cheekbone, knocking him to the ground. 
Lots of pushing and yelling resulted, with Linda in the middle of it all. Before Robert regained his senses, the neighbors and his family were in a full-blown street fight. Robert ran inside the house to the nearest phone. Look on the table, Lauren said as she rocked the baby. What's going on? Freaking neighbors jumped us. He dialed a number on the handset. Who are you calling? The cops? She said, knowing good and well that Robert would never ask the police for assistance. What, are you stupid? Then who are you calling? A voice on the other end answered. Music was playing in the background of the club where he knew his friends were. Hello? It's Robert. He turned away from Lauren. Listen, is Carl or anybody around? There was a pause. I see Carl and Mario too. Robert looked in a mirror hanging next to the doorway. His eye was slightly swollen and purplish. I need you to do me a favor. Tell them I got some trouble at my house and I need them to come over right now. Sure thing. Robert hung up. Robert, don't get yourself in trouble, Lauren pleaded as the women came out of the kitchen. Robert didn't say anything as he ran out of the door, down the stairs, and back into the street. By then, the crowd had already begun to disperse, and the neighbor who sucker-punched him was nowhere to be found. Linda approached him, wiping sweat mixed with blood from her upper lip. Where'd you go? Robert didn't say anything, but pointed to the car fast approaching. Linda realized what Robert had done. What do you think you're doing? I'm going to kill the guy. Linda turned to him. Robert, you're not going to do that baby in there any good from behind bars. He made me look like a punk. Who cares? She held him by the shoulders. Listen, my sister needs you. Baby Brianna needs you. You've got a family to take care of now. You can't be going off and doing things that's going to land you in jail. Robert smirked as he wiped a smudge of blood from her nose with his finger. You're one to talk. She wiped her nose with the back of her hand. A fist fight's one thing. Killing someone is totally something else. Now let's go back inside, get cleaned up, and call it a night. Three men got out of the car after it skidded to a halt next to Robert and Linda. Two of them had their guns drawn. Linda looked at Robert. Tell them to leave, okay? Robert took a deep breath while the three men came up to him. What's going on? One of the men asked. Robert glanced at Linda. Nothing. It's all over now.